How are you feeling? Yeah, all right. All right. Ready? This is this is the one percent growth doing stuff like this and this stuff. <laughs> and we've got our green teas and we exactly. No, well, no. I'm through my peppermint tea, but we've got half time to top that up. I'm sure. Do that at speed. Amazing. So we're going to start right now. So cool. Over to you. Hi, I'm Pete Coulthard, a partner at EY, and I specialise in international tax for large companies. And this is my duvet flip with Jack Parsons. Wow. There you go. And you only knew literally five seconds before we was going live that you was going to do the intro. Yeah, you sprung that one on me, Jack. I did. As I said to you, this is my like growth opportunity here in this moment, doing this and doing that. So, you know, all experiences are good experiences, right? I love that. And I've just moved my chair back a little bit, just in case you boot kick me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that was your advice from your producer, Leon, to yeah. say, you know, if there was something I needed to, to give you a kick. He did. And here's the advantage of being tall as well. So, uh... And we, we went live a little bit later today because we had a power cut. And the old place went down, so we had to fix that. And we all had our screwdrivers out trying to fix it, didn't we? Yeah, found a magic key to the cupboards, went pressing some buttons, the usual unplug things. As they say, you know, if you can't fix it, turn it off and turn it on again. Absolutely. So we got there. So my, my first question is, and we always start with this question because it's really important. We have young people tuning in at all different stages of life. And some will be looking for jobs. Some will be making their decisions on what they do next. Some will already be in jobs but may not be happy. What was your first job that paid you your first bit of money? What did you learn from that job that you want to pass on to other young people before they go into work? Yeah, no. So my first, I guess my first like casual job was doing some waitering at um, a local hotel. So just things like Christmas and big functions. So I did a bit of waitering effectively as a 16 year old, just earning, you know, a little bit of money on the side. Um, And I guess... It was a really good way of a little bit of discipline around things. It was making choice, giving myself a bit of freedom around what I did. It was also working as part of a team. It's quite interesting, you know, working with hotel kitchens, chefs, etc. Everything getting in and out, doing these big functions. So that was really interesting. And then my first proper job was probably more interesting, exciting. So it was the summer after I finished school and I ended up working on the ferries. So I worked on the cross-channel ferry between Portsmouth and France, um, working for P&O. And that was three months that, I guess, taught me a lot. There was a lot about discipline. So ferries, you know, early shift started about 5 a.m. You had to get yourself down to the docks for then. The late shift finished at 2 a.m. It was, you know, eight days on, four days off, working as part of a team. And your main role was around safety. So you're on, you know, a massive, as they called it, a Coke can on the channel because it used to bounce around a lot in the wind which made a lot of people very very ill and I think that just um, told me a lot about discipline you know actually just getting there for a job it was about learning to like and work with the people around you so I made some really great friendships from that you know it was the camaraderie of working with a lot of people doing something and it was something literally I picked up from reading the sort of job section of the paper back in the days of you know old local newspapers. I went, oh, that sounds interesting. And yeah, three months later, sort of picked up all these skills, got myself a bit fitter, pushing all those massive shopping trolley crates up because the duty-free, there was no lift in it. So to push it all the way up the car ramp to get all the alcohol into the duty-free shop. So yeah. Wow. So a few things there just like crossed my mind. So firstly, your first job in obviously the hotel at 16. Yeah. Why so young? 
Or is that so old? And when should young people really be looking to get experience and just go for it like you did? I don't think there's like one right age, Jack. I think it's about what partly you want to do, but it's also, I think, as you say, it's getting out there. So it doesn't necessarily need to be jobs as well. There's like loads of voluntary opportunities that you can do on things that interest and excite you. So we were talking earlier, I've become a rugby referee or became a rugby referee again, I think about when I was 16. And again, that's fully voluntary. And since then, that's taken me to some really great places across the world and given me some really great experiences and taught me a lot in the way of life skills. But I think, again, there's always a need for people to help out, especially you look at charities, I look at sort of around where I live. There are people who are always looking for help and voluntary opportunities and experiences. And the great thing is the skills you learn from it. Again, doing something that you either find interesting or in something where actually it's not necessarily what might motivate you. You know, I didn't think I wanted to work on a ferry for the next 40 odd years, but it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about, I guess, internal motivation, how I drove myself to get out of bed of the morning, take myself to a job, deal with people, interact with people on a day-to-day basis, come across unexpected challenges. And I guess taught me a little bit about me as a person and that I had the ability to respond to those things and actually do it. So well, I think you learn a lot. I, I really like that. So it taught you a little bit about you. And I, I'm a big believer of volunteering. Do as much volunteering as it lets you, especially when you're young as well, because that builds up your experience and your understanding on different things and gives you something to talk about in the interview as well. So what did you learn about yourself that you didn't know before when you first started to work? Like, What was the things that you started to realise about yourself I think I learned I could solve a problem. I, I mean, I think now that's the sort of big bit. I learned some of the things I think that really drove me and what interested me and what were the things that motivated me. I think I also learned that ability to just, I think at times, you know, drag yourself out of bed a little bit when you don't really feel like it, when it's all a bit hard. You know, watching the weather forecast at 4am to see if the cross-channel winds were going to be too much. Um, so it taught me, I think, that actually I could dig deep and do things and if I put my mind to it. I think it also taught me a lot about just interacting with people. So again, talking about how young I did it or how old perhaps I did it. But I think one of the skills, you know, and again, COVID's been really hard for this, is just the ability to like interact with people. So putting yourself in a situation where you have actually got to deal with people I mean, that's so much of what we do day to day in life. You know, human interaction is so Everywhere. important. Exactly. Even in like, you go in and you go into a cafe or, you know, go into a corner shop and buying a can of Coke, whatever it might be. Those little things and that ability to do that and that confidence and belief in yourself that you're able to you know, have those conversations and deal with those people and deal with the challenges that come across you, I think it's really important. And I think I learned a lot about my ability to do that and just actually, you know, it weren't scary things, you know, just because people are twice as old as you or three times as old as you doesn't necessarily mean they know more. They necessarily want to know more in these types of situations. They just want help to find where, you know, where is the cafe on the ferry or can you help them find their lost child or whatever it might be. Wow. And you talk about discipline. and I'm a big believer of being disciplined. Um, I'm not quite disciplined at the moment on the Maltesers. I'm eating too much. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm fasting at the moment. Uh, but what... What is discipline? 
being disciplined and what what are three things that young people should really focus on being disciplined in their first first second or third job that they're doing so i think like <clears throat> discipline there, there are different ways of discipline i guess comes out i mean people talk about things like routine about being you know clear with yourself on what you're doing and how you're doing it and I think it varies and changes a bit. I mean, I think in terms of your question, what, what are the three key things? I think it's about firstly setting yourself the standards that you want to meet. And I think you've, it's, you've got to be personal with yourself. You've got to actually buy into it. If you're doing it because someone tells you that you must be here at 8.30 in the morning and you're not on board with that, it's going to be really hard as a slog to do it. You can get into it, but you've, got to, you've effectively got to contract with yourself to say, no, I'm going to actually be there at 8.30 because that's what the job requires and that's what I need to do to progress. So I think it's about having that conversation with yourself about saying, this is what I need to do and therefore I'm going to buy into it. I think the second one is actually taking that time to reflect on what you've done and recognising success and what you've done well. It's the thing I think I've only learned in the last few years, really, is we're always very good at thinking about what we need to do next. We don't take the time actually to think back and go, well, you know, I find it hard to get out of bed for the morning, but I said I'm going to get to my job at 8.30 every day, and I've been there on time for the last week. So that's, you know, really good. And I think the third one that comes around that is actually you've got to see it beyond the chore. So again, it's about taking that recognition as well and rewarding yourself and it doesn't have to be a massive thing it might be going back to that pack of Maltesers you've been avoiding Jack but it's having that ability to say actually you know the small successes are what make the bigger successes and recognizing you've made that effort to get to where you are absolutely and why do why do we do that why do we look at the negatives over the positives and what have been your kind of ways to strip down the negatives, stand up and say, right, I'm going to move and I'm going to look at the positives. Because it's easier said than done, isn't it? And that everyone will be scrolling through TikTok, doing A, B and C, judging where they are compared to where someone else's is, and then getting themselves into a ruck. So what do you... Here you go, let's use that. Getting yourself into a ruck as a referee. <laughs> what, what, how can you get yourself out of a ruck? Apart from rolling yeah. really quickly when the really big blades are coming. Um, I think it is occasionally just taking that moment, taking that step back. It's, I think it's probably harder now than it was maybe for generations before us because we're in this permanently connected world with social media, with the internet, with 24-7 news, whatever it might be. It's, it is harder. It's harder to take that time out. I mean, I'm guilty of it as anyone is, you know, always quickly checking my phone for what's happening on Facebook or what's latest news or what's latest work email. So I think part of it is taking that step back and just going, actually, you know, what has gone well this week? And that is hard. I think I find it really hard still actually to sometimes sit back at the end of the week and go, actually, I did these things really well. I'm much more focused, as you say, on, oh, I didn't quite do that or I should have maybe done this. So I think, I think that's the default. I think the other bit as well, and this is like one of my big things at the moment, is just learning to embrace failure and actually realising that something not going well can be a real positive if you learn from it. So I think, you know, we learn so much more from our mistakes, but equally, as well as not necessarily being good at reflecting on what we're good at, we often sort of look at our mistakes and go, well, I don't really want to think about those again because it didn't go so well. 
or it didn't quite go right and we move on. But actually, you know, if we can take that time to think about what can you do different or what can you do better, that, that's how we progress and grow. It's almost the things that we didn't know before. If we can take lessons from it, you know, the job interview that didn't go well, the promotion that didn't happen. If we think about what it, what it was that didn't go right then and can take lessons from that, that just makes you better the next time and helps you move forward. Couldn't agree more. And what was the last thing that you failed at that made you better and that you've reflected on and realised I mean, there, there, are, there are loads of things for me. I mean, the, the biggest one, I, it was, if I think quite recently, trying to make partner at EY, is it was a process that I thought was very smooth sailing. It was all on course. You know, everyone had been like, yeah, it's all going great. You're doing really well. And lo and behold, went through the process and got a phone call and they said, yeah, very sorry, but you haven't made it. Um, and that was really hard for me. It was, I mean, you know, really, really hard. There was a lot of... I soul searching for me. I, I, you know, I'll happily admit I ended up in that sort of deep rut for a good few months and just trying to work out how to get out of it. And then, you know, coming back to your previous question, Jack, it was a case of focusing on well, actually, what this has taught me is I'm still good at what I thought I was good at. There are some things that people have said I can do better. So let's take the lessons of what they've told me. And let's look at how I can do that differently and how I can take it as a positive experience. And that wasn't instant. And I think, again, this is, it's unrealistic to say, you know, you have a big setback and you can just turn around tomorrow and go, that's fine. You know, we're all humans. It's, it's about the process of getting over that. But I think for me, taking that failure, and that for me was a massive sort of failure at the time. The big turning point was when I was able to turn around and go, well, actually, let's try and take the positives. Let's take the learnings out of it. What can I do differently going forward to make me better? And I think that's, you know, I think that's got me now to where I am today because I learned so much more actually from failing in that process than I might have done by getting through and being said, yeah, it was, you know, good enough. Using that example... And you got that call to say, unfortunately, this time you've not made partner. And we'll get on to uh, what a partner is and you being partner now and everything in a moment. But you get that call and it makes your heart sink. And I'm a big believer, if someone gets bad news, let them mourn. Mm. Don't say everything's going to be okay. Let people mourn. So you, you mourned and then... What did you do to spring in action? Because a lot of young people might get the interview call to say you didn't make the process yeah. or they might get, might went out on a date and then they, uh, I don't want to go on a second date. It probably won't be uh, a call. It'd probably be a ghost. Uh, <laughs> it'll be ghosting. But oh, uh, there's a new one now, apparently. So that it, along with ghosting, yeah. it's actually abusing. So if someone doesn't want to go on a second date, they'll abuse you. Oh, yeah, it's all, in, it's all on TikTok. You, I know you're not on there. I've got to get yeah. myself on there TikTok. So actually, now. if you've been ghosted, it's the easy version and actually getting <laughs> abused. So uh, what do you do next? So how do you pick yourself up? How do you say, okay, I'm going to... How do you... Because it's really, it's really easy to get clouded by all the negative rather than see, see through and go, actually... They said this, and this individual said this, and if I put that together and worked on this, then I could actually adapt and learn and grow and move forward. So how do you get to that clarity stage? Time's a big one. And you've said it. It's, nothing is instant. And you're, you're right. Is that whole mourning and grieving and getting over what didn't happen. 
And I think that's important because it gives you that sense of perspective. I think in terms of the clarity, it was really interesting what you said on taking two bits and putting them together. I'm a real strong believer that someone will have an opinion of you or someone will have something from an interview. And an interview is just one period of time. If someone says on a day, oh, you didn't do this, that's maybe one off. If someone else says you didn't do the same thing, that's a trend and a pattern. So again, I think it's about trying to see what are the themes and the patterns coming through. So if people are saying, well, you know, you turned up late to this interview, you turned up late to that interview, that's a pattern. If you turn up late to one interview because your tube train was late, you know, those big roadworks in London like there always is or whatever it might be, that's, you know, that's more the one-off. And again, I think it's distinguishing it between what's a pattern, something you can really change between what just happened to maybe be you on the day. You know, we don't always wake up and have our best day. You know, that, that is par for the course. But if you can see what comes back, and as you say, it's, I think it's about reflecting on it and thinking about what, what people said, what are the consistent messages that I'm getting back? And then understanding those and thinking, well, what can I do differently? And again, it comes back, you've got to work out what you want to do differently about it. Mm. But if lots of people are saying this, or if you're getting a consistent message, it, it, it does become on you to make that change. It's all very well saying, well, I think the way I'm doing it is right. And don't get me wrong, I have those periods as well where I'm like, well, surely everyone else is wrong on this. I think I should be doing it this way. But if you're getting that consistent message back, you've got to work out is this something you want to change and is this something you should change now there are times when there is right to say well no actually i am the visionary here and i can go out there but most of the time on these things it's going to be really good bits of feedback that just people haven't given you before but i really like that look at the trends take the feedback because feedback is a gift if you if you if you really want to use the feedback for growth the easy option what you could have done was quit Mm -hmm. and go and work for one of the other big four which i can't remember any of their names by the way so apologies i can only remember ey but that could have been the easy option so the 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 option that's in your face is oh just quit yeah but actually that's not always the right way and you know what? You might go around a 360 loop and then what I'm hearing is you might go around a 360 loop and then you get back to the same answer, which is to quit. Yeah. Or actually to, to adapt. Yeah. And I think don't do things in the heat of the moment. I'd like to say I'm a big planner. I'm not always a big planner. I don't think I really am. But it's, it's taking that step back from the almost emotional decision and going, is this the right thing? I often like, if I have to think about these things, it's sort of going, well, what's like short-term impact what's the longer term impact so you know if I quit today that's great you know they said I wasn't ready yet well that's fine someone else thinks I am so I'll just go join there and great I've achieved my goal but in the longer term is that actually going to get me to where I want to go because careers are journeys right careers are long you know the working world now who knows what point we'll retire but it's 40 50 years potentially of working Mm -hmm. so coming to what might seem the best answer tomorrow might make the next five years, 10 years, 20 years not as enjoyable, not as fulfilling and not as rewarding as they might otherwise have been. So I think it's about taking that step back and thinking, you know, where do I actually want to go and thinking it in a round. And, you know, as you say, it's about exploring what you can do, but it's not necessarily jumping to the first option that you're given. I like that a lot. We're going to take a break. 
because I need another tea and I think you could do with one as well. And after the break, we're going to talk a little bit about you being a partner, EY, and why young people should go into tax and everything in between. Sounds good. And we'll see you in a minute.
So we're back for part two, topped up our teas. I want to talk a little bit about tax. What is tax? And tell me a little bit about your journey in getting into tax, but also then becoming a partner as well uh, for EY in the tax function. Is it function? Is that right? Practice, Practice. yes. I mean, we call it service line, but that sounds very like official. Sounds like a Tesco checkout. Exactly. (laughs) You come down the right line and then you find you've got too many items in your basket. So, yeah. Um, And tax, I think it's, I mean, tax is one of these things that effectively affects everyone in day-to-day life, but I think we don't talk enough about it. Um, And I don't just say that because I do tax on a day-to-day basis, but I think it's one of those areas that especially up until probably five ten years ago wasn't really thought about much in schools it wasn't really taught about the advice around it wasn't particularly great um but i mean tax is fundamentally one of the key ways that the government raises money it's It's ta and xan for something or it's just literally it literally is that is just the word itself short for taxation some people often say the joke often is some people can't spell tax it's normally used my colleagues internally <laughs> who don't work in tax. So, no, I mean, and it's, it's lots of acronyms. You hear people throw the acronyms around. So people talk about income tax. So that's the tax you're effectively paying on your earnings. So you're in a job. That's what comes out for your pay week in, week out. Um, you've got corporation tax, similar thing, but that's on companies. You talk about national insurance. So... People like, is national insurance a tax or not? Very long debate, very technical. People get excited about that. But is it a tax? What's your opinion? Oh, I'm, 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 <laughs> yeah, go. I'm not going to get drawn on that one, Jack. You know, we'll end up with too many comments yeah. from people who you know, have far too much time on these things. Yeah, no, let's keep them, let them keep over at Daily Mail. Exactly. And then VAT. I mean, VAT is the one that like, you go in a shop and you buy something, there's a good chance you paid VAT on it. And that's got, that is value added tax, correct? Spot on, spot on. So that's effectively the tax that, you know, you and I as the end consumer pay on a product that we buy in the shops or on certain services that we might get from someone. Who do we pay this tax to? So ultimately, it goes back to the government. So it goes back to HMRC, so now His Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Sounds very, you know, formal and you know, very proper and but ultimately tax is collected in large part through the system so your employer takes your income tax off you through something known as pay as you earn or paye so you get paid at the end of the month and you'll get your pay slip you'll see on there there's a deduction for tax so your employer will effectively collect the tax on what they're paying you and pay it over to the government on your behalf vat again if you go in a shop so you go end up buying something so, you know, buy a new set of headphones. The VAT that the shop collects, again, they'll pay across to the government. So, again, a lot of tax is actually collected either on your behalf or as part of day-to-day life. And I think that's partly why often we don't spend as much time talking about it or thinking about it as we maybe should. It's there in day-to-day life, but it becomes, I guess, just sort of accepting as part of it. So we don't sort of go, well, you know... I bought my headphones for however much it might be. It's made to do some mass in my head, £120. And I paid really £100 to the shopkeeper and £20 went in VAT and that went to the government. We just go, I bought my headphones for £120. But tax is effectively all around us in all what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Um, so that's, I mean, that, that is tax and what it is and what it is in day-to-day life. And for young entrepreneurs listening, because we'll have young entrepreneurs listening, if you paid that shopkeeper 120 quid 
and there's an hundred quid is obviously what the shopkeeper gets. He still has to pay tax mm-hmm. on that hundred quid, correct? Yeah. So he pays tax on that hundred pounds, but he'll pay tax on the profits. On the profit of it. Yeah. And then that VAT of £20, he could then put the VAT he's paid, if it's a claim, correct, off of that, if it's lower than... How does that work? So the VAT is almost separate, so we'll get into good bits of VAT and corporation tax here, so pushing my knowledge. Um, No, so the VAT is separate. So if I... Let's just say the shopkeeper bought that from someone, so he bought it from the factory who sold him the headphones, and he may have paid let's say 80 pounds on that, and he paid 16 pounds of that. And then he sells it on for 100 pounds to you, and you pay 20 pounds of fat on top of that. He effectively would pay the 20 pounds of fat across, but he also gets effectively a credit for the 16. So he pays across the difference. So again, VAT is more about adding it as it goes along. So if I've got costs that have fat on them, then those VAT costs, I'm, only, I'm effectively only looking at the net amount in its most simple form. Again, then from a sort of profits perspective, so what profits does you have as a business? The business actually almost looks at it and assumes that's not there. So it says, you got paid 100, be paid 80 away. So your profit is just that 20 and that's what you pay the tax on. So the VAT in a way sort of sits on the side or the top and you're just looking at the sort of underlying profits. Um, again, the only bit that ever changes really or the big bit that changes on that and lots of complexities at times is just if you're not that registered so if you're small enough again talking to entrepreneurs starting out you know you don't have to register for VAT until you reach a certain threshold um, which is you know it's quite a significant amount it's high five figures so up until that point again then it's a case of you know if you're selling your services say you provide services for 100 pounds and you've incurred something that cost 80 pounds plus VAT on that effectively you just assume that 16 pounds of VAT is across your business so in that case it's just you know how much money have you actually made it's the four pounds in the middle wow so a really interesting job and an important job for the whole of the country to kind of the the economics to kind of run how does someone get into it and what are the things that to expect and then how do you go and get a as a young person, get a job at EY to come and join your team to kind of do it? So how do you get into it? I think as a profession, it's really interesting at the moment that the opportunity to get into it is really widened. So I think historically it's been people who've gone through university and had degrees, but there's a real increase in business apprentices, school leavers, people who've come directly from school into the profession. So you could do a tax apprenticeship? Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah, so you can come, you know, with people join us from 18, straight out of school. You know, they come with, I often think, great, it's this enthusiasm, we've talked about this before, enthusiasm, curiosity, willingness to learn, willingness to discover things and take it from there. So it's, it's a case of you've got the opportunities and the options. There's professional qualifications that then a lot of organisations and firms will put you through. And again, this is, this is everything from, you know, you've got the lights of EY at the big end down to your accountants that are on your high street or, you know, the little practices around the corner who, again, you know, need young, fresh talent to take on. So the opportunity, I guess, now is you don't need to have done a university degree. You can come straight out of school for it. I think it's that ability to be curious. It's that ability still 
to learn on take take on board things. You know, professional qualifications then give you that opportunity and that experience to broaden your horizons and learn about different things. And again, it's given you, I guess, a base. So a lot of people that I train with now no longer work in tax. They've gone on to do different things because of the things they've learned. Are they doing consulting? Uh, Some some are doing consulting, yeah. Some some have done consulting. I mean, some have gone on to do things in finance. I mean, some have gone on into sort of academia. Um, A number have gone back to learning things. So they decided, actually, I want to learn more and do different things. Some have gone out, actually, and start their own businesses. They've said, no, actually, I've seen what I've done on a day-to-day basis. I've got a really cool idea. And they've become entrepreneurs, you know, not necessarily as young entrepreneurs, but have taken it later on in life and gone, I've got a really cool idea from the things I've learned about that I don't think the world and the market does at the moment. And have gone out and said, I'm going to take a step out of employment and go do that. What skills does a young person need to be like a super badass tax expert like you? Um, I think curiosity is massively important. It's about always asking questions. I, I, I often see taxes about solving problems or it's understanding problems. So it's asking questions about someone's facts and circumstances because often the answer is straightforward, but you've got to ask the right questions to get there. So I think it's being curious, wanting to understand more, thinking about what it might mean and asking a question that maybe they haven't thought of. If you ask that half the time, I think it gets you to the right answer. I think the other really interesting thing about taxes, lots of new taxes appear sort of year on year. It's a great thing about tax in that sense, especially for like young people, people coming into their careers, is you can become an expert really quickly in something and know more than someone else. Because the first time that someone sees a new tax or a new piece of law that's come out is the same for everyone. So I remember early on in my career that EY got me involved in helping them this new legislation that was being developed. And quite quickly, therefore, I became the expert in that. And I was only at that stage, 23, 24, you know, really, really junior in my career. I hadn't even qualified as an accountant by that point. But here I was, you know, talking to, you know, people at the Treasury or HMRC about, you know, did this make sense? Was that what they wanted to do? And then trying to explain that to colleagues, you know, really senior people in the firm. People take me out to see their clients go, well, Pete knows about this. So again, it's that it's that willingness, I guess, to take on the opportunity. Someone said, did you just want to be involved in it? I said, well, yeah, it sounds quite interesting, exciting. And from there, it was just taking and grasping that opportunity and realising, you know, actually, I do know more than all of these people. Yes, they may have been doing it 20, 30 years. And there will be some things that stump you, right? Because they've got that sort of now and ability to know the right questions to ask. They've seen similar things before. But it's sort of realising that actually, you know, you've spent the time, you've had the curiosity, you've asked the questions, you've given it some thought, you do know a lot and you've got something really valuable you can add. Wow, what an interesting project that was to work on. So there's some interesting projects that you can, you, you can work on across the business, no matter whether you're a junior or a partner. It gives you the opportunity to become an expert and I think that's what we need. We need experts doing things really well don't we, across the country. What would you say your invisible successes in your career so far? What's been your invisible success that's made you successful that we can't find out online? What are my invisible successes? That's a really good question. Um, I think part of it's been learning and just 
thinking about how to deal with people and having that ability to push myself beyond where I might feel comfortable on on a day-to-day basis, but realising that actually I've got the ability to do it. So again, coming back to that thing we were talking about earlier about, you know, what did I learn from doing a waiting job when I was 16 and what did I learn from working on the ferries was that I had a skill set that I could turn to certain things. And it's just that, I guess it's about having self-belief. You've got to have internal validation in what you're doing. I think that internal belief in what you're doing and yourself, because you, you know, you are your biggest or you need to be in a way your own biggest fan. And that's not about saying I'm really brilliant at everything, therefore, you know, I've got nothing to learn. It's, I think, about being grounded as well. But you've got to equally have those days where you pep yourself up and you go, well, no, I can do this. I know I can do this because I've done similar things before. So while I've never done this thing, I've got that ability to do it. And I think I learned a lot of that, you know, the invisible, the invisible successes, I think, around seeing what I could do in those different circumstances and getting that sort of self-belief around what I could do. What scares you right now, Peter, when it comes to the future of young people, your kids? Like, what do you see that you really gets you anxious and worried about their future if we don't change it now? Uh, I mean, so it's a really... It's a really both hard question to answer and also, I guess, an easy question to answer in a way. Um, I mean, I think the world, the world is just fundamentally changing. I think if we look at what's going on, we're, you know, technology and advancements, and that means that, you know, what will people be doing in 20 years' time? Well, most of those jobs might not exist as they do today. So you know, how do you prepare yourself for a world that's not yet invented? That's really, really tough. Yeah, and, and, and actually, I think that's quite scary as well because you know you always want people to have opportunities. You want to try and give chance and allow people to aspire, but at the same time, you go, well, how can I do that, not knowing what's around the corner? And I think to me, it comes back to it's about learning the skills and it's about having versatility and that ability to adapt. So. What you learn and why I always, you know, what I saw about accountancy, so, you know, joined EY, got trained as an accountant, that gave me an amazing base in terms of learning so many different things that effectively now act as a platform for me to be able to do different things. And it gives me the platform what I do day to day, even in my job, to turn my hand to different things. So for me, it's all about that skill set of being able to try things, trying things and learning from failures. We talked about that before. Mm-hmm. But also just giving yourself and realising that the skills you learn, especially the soft skills, the dealing with people, how you deal with conflict, the how you develop yourself and what you learn about yourself are useful no matter what you're doing. So even if you take a full 180 degree turn in what you're doing, you start out down one path and you've gone, actually that's not really what I want to be. It's realising that you know those years aren't a waste, it's what you've learned on that journey that's actually going to help you and be that platform that you can build on for years to come. I couldn't agree more. I always say to young people, if you don't know what you want to do, go and try jobs and figure out what you don't want to do. Exactly, exactly. And careers are long, right? And it's about, as you say, if you can work out what it is you don't want to do, then it's a lot easier to find what you do want to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Um, and you've got to find something ultimately at the end of the day that 
you want to be or which motivates you to keep going and be going, you know, getting out of bed on a day-to-day basis because, you know, careers, careers are long. But equally, you know, if something doesn't quite go right, that's fine. That's a real big, you know, the learning experience is it didn't go right and it's not what you want to do. That's one less thing you've got to go, "Mm, maybe I want to do this at some point to come. I agree. And I've got one more question, the biggest question ever. So take as much time as you need. What's your duvet flip to get you out of bed in the morning to flip the duvet? Um, I think for me, Jack, it's really about solving problems, getting my teeth stuck into challenges. I'm someone who just likes to do things. I'm not a great person at sitting there relaxing, doing nothing. I find that hard. For me, it's the challenge of coming across things I haven't actually come across before. It's solving those problems. It's just the day-to-day challenges that life throws up at you and going, actually, you know what, you know, from getting up to going to sleep, certain things are going to happen, both in work and just in life. And it's, can I overcome those in a way that means I get to the end of the day and go, oh, yeah, you know what, I managed to solve it. I've got through it. You know, the world still goes on. I've learned something from it. Um, and tomorrow is going to be another day that I'm going to be getting back up and doing the same thing. Absolutely. I'm smiling because when the electric went off before we started and everything, you was literally a true problem solver. You got stuck in, you stood up, you kind of helped. Like you didn't just sit there with your cup of tea and say, oh, let them get on with it. So I can, I can see that natural problem solver. And I just want to, on that note, say thank you for your energy, your time, your kindness today. We've talked about a number of things. One, being disciplined. How can you really be disciplined in what you do? And having that conversation with yourself to be disciplined. If you can turn up at 8.30, turn up at 8.30. Have that conversation with yourself. We also talked about volunteering. I think that's really important. No matter who you are, where you are, go and volunteer. Build up your experience. And that all your first job doesn't have to be a paid job. It could be in a volunteering job. We've also talked about embracing that magic word of embracing failure getting up and sometimes failure will hit you but when failure hits you give yourself time to to mourn give yourself time to take on the feedback and work out what you want to do but yet again take into consideration whether it's just an opinion or is it actually a group of trends of feedback that you really want to adapt and then we've also talked about a little bit about tax and how tax, how fun tax can be. But also tax gives you the opportunity to be an expert and we need experts and young people should thrive to do a career that they become an expert in. So on that note, I just want to say thank you. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Jack. Really, really enjoyed it. And yeah, thanks for all the good work you're doing. Brilliant.